Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I am the host from Let's Humanize the Workplace. Um, as a workplace wellness advocate, I help companies with keeping their people healthy, happy and safe. And of course, I'm going to share a few bits, but I'm really, 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 really. Can you notice my excitement? I am really excited to speak to, uh, to talk to our guest speaker today, but also excited to just discuss a few topics that I have for you. So first of all, let me know if you can see the broadcast on LinkedIn. Um, I haven't seen anything, so I can see something. Say hi, because I am going to do a shout out. So if you're joining this session from LinkedIn or from Twitter or from YouTube or from Facebook, just let me know so that I can say hi to you and also include you in this conversation and share the love, share the love. So for those of you who are team live, I'm team live, live from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, but I'm also curious to hear where you're from. So are you watching this episode from Asia or are you watching this episode from somewhere in Africa, maybe Ghana or South Africa? Uh, maybe you're watching the show from the States. That can also be right. East coast, West coast, uh, wherever it is that you want to be. Just share with me because I'm really curious about where this broadcast is reaching. So if you're watching the replay, hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and uh, I'm really curious about where you're from and how you got to this broadcast. So today, this lady posted this, uh, this post today and I thought I really had have to speak on it. So Madison Butler, if you're not following her, follow her. Just say that Vivian asked you to follow her. She's sharing a few tips because since the coronavirus has a uh, breakout, um, there are a few things are happening that isn't humanizing the world anymore. We are dehumanizing people. And she shared some valuable tips and I wanted to emphasize on. So please, re regarding the corona, right? Regarding the coronavirus, please, Treat people by people and don't treat them like an outcast. I'm not going to refer to certain races, but please don't dehumanize people. Don't be a racist. Wash your hands. Use soap. Use water. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't touch somebody else's face. Don't touch somebody else's hands. Use this greeting. What, like I see. So what I what I do when I try to greet people, I say namaste, which is a respectable way to greet somebody without touching them. And here in the Netherlands, it's common that you you know you shake hands or you touch somebody in an appropriate way, appropriate. <laughs> but um, and it's also um, it's also another way for creating environments where people can work from home or where people can work remotely. So if your company or your organization is offering you a way to work remotely, use that as an opportunity to uh, work remotely. And also organizations or HR or those of you who are in charge of the remote working uh, facilitate it for people, make it easy for people to work remotely because dude, I want people to be safe and I want people to be healthy and also to be happy. But the most important thing now is, is to keep your people safe. So, um, and wash your hands. I don't want to say what she's saying, but wash your hands, 
maybe too often, just wash your hands. Another thing that I wanted to share was, um, was shared on LinkedIn about tips from working remotely. So um, if you have some guidelines of some procedures that where, where people can look at for working remotely or they need to install certain software to work remotely, look at this post from Monica Ficker to see what kind of tips she is sharing because I do feel that in this day of age, we're living in 2020 and a lot of people don't have the facility to work remotely or don't have the opportunity to work remotely, don't even have the opportunity to work flexible. Um, if you can facilitate it for your employees to work remotely, please look at this guideline or please look at these tips. And if you need to update your, your guidelines, also look at these tips because um, having this conversation, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk to my guest speaker now and she is sitting from her home. I'm sitting in the comfort from my own home and we are still having this conversation. So for those of you who are maybe canceling events, uh, live events, know that there is an opportunity to do a live stream. Know that there is an opportunity to have still have that conversation ongoing while people can still watch or still can attend. I know there is a different dynamic when you're doing a live stream or where you're doing an online engagement, but there are ways to prevent people from uh, going to a live event without uh, it being canceled. And that's, that's this platform or another platform where you can live stream. So please make use of that. Another thing that I wanted to uh, discuss is gratitude. It's free, it's easy. It's something that will help you retain your coworkers or your team members or your employees. And it's such an easy thing to do, but not a lot of people do that too often or not a lot of people do it at all. And if you can express a gratitude towards somebody um, just by sharing, what a great job have you done? Or in the meantime, not at the end of the project, but maybe in the beginning or in the meantime to use words of encouragement so that people can, you know, feel grateful, feel, feel wanted and feel also valued for the effort that they are taking. So um, with this, with this definition, gratitude, um, we put a lot of effort into keeping our talent, but also a lot of effort into bringing it on. But have you given it some thought to just plan the moments that you are expressing your gratitude? And please let it be authentic because I, I don't want you to be fake about being grateful. Be authentic about it and also show your your uh, your interest in a person so that you can see, help them grow and that you can encourage them to do better, to do great and become a better person in the workplace. So um, it also it's also good for building resilience. So like I said, saying thank you or saying that you are grateful for something, it's an easy free thing to do without investing that much of your time. So the things that I wanted to uh, I wanted to share is stop at the top. So if there are any managers watching, or if there are any uh, C level suites watching, just let me know. Okay, my son is coming in. He's going to say goodbye. That's our daily ritual because otherwise I won't see him. Zeg je ook nog een Ja, gaan we slapen. 
So that's my gratitude moment. Um, otherwise, I won't see him, you know, put him into mostly this is the time to, for him to go to bed. But um, start at the top. It's important that you express your gratitude with those who are uh, who are there. And <laughs> Melissa is sharing. He's so lovely. <laughs> Start at the top, and thank you, Melissa. And um, also create a space for recognition. It's important that when you want to do express gratitude, show at least create a space where people can express, where people can feel safe to express their gratitude and celebrate the small wins, right? We don't have to wait until that big client is in, but encourage your team members to, to share the small wins. And um, there are so many steps here, but I just want to share that gratitude can do so much for building a positive culture. And again, it's free. So if you want to know more about ways about how to express your gratitude, then reach out to me, Vivian Aqua, and I'm going to bring in the next, our next guest speaker. So this lady, Melissa Romero, Melissa is a purpose-driven go-getter, until recently leading the Gillette business from France and Benelux, and on top of her job, she's living her purpose to giving others a voice and help close the gender gap by starting Lean In Netherlands. Together with a fantastic team, and she has an amazing team, so she's shaping the world for a new definition of leadership. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, are you excited? I am very excited. I was looking cool. forward to this. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask you the first question because I think that a lot of people are, don't know what Lean In is. So, can you share what Lean In is and what is your personal drive to become a Lean In advocate in the Netherlands? Yeah, absolutely. So, Lean In is a global uh, NGO, is a nonprofit organization that was founded and started by Sheryl Sandberg. She's the COO of Facebook. And it started when she wrote the book with the same name, um, Lean In. And at the end, she wanted to give people a call to action. She wanted to invite people to keep the conversation going. And because there was at the time not so many women as, uh, uh, at the top that could mentor other women, she decided to create what we call leaning circles. And leaning circles are small groups of people, men and women, that come together once a month to actually learn a new skill, but also take one action monthly for their own development, and the rest of the circle holds them accountable. So basically that sparkled one, a, a, a huge grassroots movement that is right now live in 172 countries with more than 44,000 leaning circles, here in the Netherlands, we actually have 32 of them, and we are a community of about a thousand people here in the Netherlands. And that also sparkled via the book of Cheryl, um, the conversation uh, that needed to restart after decades being silent. You know, we are in the fourth mm -hmm. feminist revolution, that's how they call it. Um, and, uh, and part of that revolution was sparkled by the book of Cheryl Sandberg. Okay, and how did you come across Lean In? Yeah, well, basically, like a lot of people, I read the book and uh, I'm an engineer by education and mm -hmm. I consider myself to be very data driven. I was very triggered by the fact that a third of the book was the, the references, so the research 
for it. A lot of hardcore data on, you know, what happens with uh, children, for example, that are being raised by full-time working moms versus not, you know, and, and where, how there is no proof, you know, that, that, you know, it's just a personal choice. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you're a best or a worse mom if you decide to go for a full-time job or, or staying at home. That's perfectly respectable. So, um, that triggered me first. Uh, second, uh, the call to action, because I think so many times we read books that are very inspirational, but, you know, at the end you you are like, so what? Or maybe you kind of forget about it. Um, so that inspired me to, you know, start a circle in Amsterdam because there was not that many circles at the time. And, well, this thing just basically took up. You could see that there was so much of a need for it that after a couple of months, you know, other um, circle founders, small circle founders were like reaching out and then we decided to get together and start uh, Lean in uh, Netherlands officially uh, mm -hmm. and then it became really official when we got a call from Palo Alto inviting us to make part of the global regional uh, leadership of um, of Lenin, from which, um, yeah, I am kind of the, the leader for the Netherlands. And like me, we are 90 around the world to represent uh, the Lenin uh, movement. And Can you maybe share how old your organization is? Because I think it's really <laughs> remarkable what you have done in such a yeah. short Officially time. and, uh, you know, as an established Stichting mm -hmm. in the Netherlands, it's been two years. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're, we're very, very young still, yeah. um, but we're growing and we're learning massively. So it is, uh, it has been quite a ride from just deciding to get together uh, with the others to see how we could leverage the network and give more impact to the members of the network mm -hmm. to receive that call from Palo Alto and saying, hey, would you like to come to Silicon Valley in three weeks from now? Because we are having our global convention with all the other 89 leaders and you know being at the house of Sheryl Sandberg all of a sudden it's like very flabbergasted flabbergasting but but uh, yeah it's also was absolutely a proud moment uh, to make sure that you know to to notice that what we're doing matters and that people are noticing it so that's really good I'm proud Thanks. but that's that's why I have the next question what advice would you have given yourself 10 years ago and why yeah, it's funny because when we were off um, off the broadcast, we were talking things, imposter mm -hmm. syndrome and others. Um, I think 10 years ago, I would have said to my younger self, don't let anybody tell you what you cannot mm -hmm. do. Um, especially, well, I have been living now in, in Europe for about 15 years, but I am originally from Colombia. Mm -hmm. And obviously this is a culture where gender roles are very defined. And where I heard a lot growing up, you cannot do this or you should not be do this because girls don't do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk about, you know, sports and, and things like that and the way you're dressed, etc. So I think uh, I would have told myself, it doesn't matter. Don't let anybody make you believe that you cannot do what you want to do. So that's a good advice. And um, can you share why we need to reshape or shape the definition, the new definition of leadership? Yeah. So here, what's you wrong are... with the current one? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> uh, basically, for Leaning Netherlands, obviously we are Leaning Org is a global organization, and mm -hmm. it's a little bit kind of think global, act local. So for the Netherlands uh, specifically, we decided to 
shape our mission uh, for something that will be relevant for the country. Obviously, mm -hmm. the Netherlands is a very advanced country in many, many fronts, and you know we are very proud of, of that. Um, but we also realize that you know the the model of leadership or the box where we put good leaders or so-called good leaders is mm -hmm. a very old-fashioned one and if you look at the reasons or the traits of that type of leadership come back to you know the 50s or the 40s you know after the war after the women had been out there you know working in the factories then kind of baby booming started and then the workplace or offices were mainly men and you know the few women that were there obviously you need to behave in a way that you can fit in so then they started kind of uh, emulating those behaviors uh whereby you know to be a good leader you need to be the loudest in the room or to be a good leader you need to be the most aggressive or the most you know assertivity is of course important but that doesn't shape who a lot of people are so in our mission for the Netherlands, which is helping shape a new definition of leadership where everybody can be 100% themselves and still mm -hmm. make it to whatever their ambition are, right? So if yeah. your ambition is to be, you know, a CEO or your ambition is to be a florist or a school teacher, or whatever your ambition is, that you are not kind of put in a corner if you don't behave according to an old type uh, leadership. And by the way, Vivian, that goes beyond gender. When mm -hmm. we, we wanted to make this a little bit broader because if you look at role modeling and uh, uh, the people that are in, in you know, powerful positions, if I am a young girl, do I see myself as a prime of the Netherlands? But also, if I am a brown boy, yeah. do I see myself yeah. as being the next prime uh, minister of the Netherlands? Yeah. So yeah. that was in extremely important for us that we could include other genders, other, you know, ethnicities and, and, and any, you know, religions or sexual preference or, or whatever. You just have the right to be 100% yourself and still mm -hmm. achieve your max potential. Definitely. But it brings me back to what Obama shared recently, because I saw, um, I saw this article and this article made me want to say, okay, I need to have a conversation with Melissa because <laughs> this is totally up our alley. Um, so Obama is sharing women are indisruptly better leaders than and old men need to get out of the way. So the, the statement that he made is now, woman, I just want you to know you're not perfect. But what I can say pretty in, uh, indisputably is that you're better than us men. That's mm -hmm. what Obama said. <laughs> I am absolutely confident that for two years, if every nation on earth was run by women, you would see a significant improvement across the board on just about everything, living standards and outcome. Are you, do you agree with this statement? Why yes and why no? Well, you need to you need to understand also that Barack Obama is a brilliant is a brilliant uh, speaker and, mm -hmm. and he knows exactly what he's doing here, right? He's mm -hmm. playing the role, as you say, as the top top ally. Um, mm -hmm. I think we should not take him also out of context. Obviously, you know, we are a society made by men and women, and we should make mm -hmm. sure that we have everybody included there. But what I love and the part of the provocation that he's trying to to bring into the table is we have only seen 
one side of the coin, mm -hmm, one true. part of the spectrum represented at high levels of leadership and decision making. You know, currently, uh, you know, women are underrepresented everywhere. Only 7% of women are CEOs. Only, I think, 19 nations are uh, right now led by women. So what he's putting at the table is if it was if it was the other way around, we mm -hmm. would savor a different type of leadership and things that honestly, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, if, if you haven't experienced what it is to be a pregnant woman, woman, which, for example, I haven't experienced, I cannot know how it is to be in your shoes, even yeah. though I am a woman. So yeah. if, you know, um, I think it's very important that women are included in the conversation and in decision making because they will be representing half of the population that are like them in a way. You mentioned something very important that I didn't even touch on, allyship. Mm hmm because it's not only that we lean in and standing for, uh, you know, supporting and empowering men, but lean in also includes, we need to find our allies in different, in other genders. Can you share something about that? Why it is important to have those allies in the workplace or maybe in your business to level up your career or your business? Um, yeah, so you said that leading is not only focusing in, in empowering and supporting men, but actually it's empowering women. women, of course. But, oh, sorry, uh, yes, and, sorry, excuse and me. And obviously the allyship is, yeah. um, it, it's extremely important. Actually, I would argue a lot of people um, kind of uh, glorify the ally as, you know, the men ally. I think <laughs> beyond glorifying them, yeah. It, yeah. Men, I think it's it's important to know that they're not doing a favor to anybody. You know, I like, think mm -hmm. that sometimes it can be taken out of context when we are like um, having uh, organizations or ERGs like women at X corporates, and and then we wonder like, okay, but where are the men? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if there is something called women at, yeah, you need to make sure that they also feel invited to the conversation. Mm -hmm. But also on their side, I think it's also important that they know that you're not doing anybody a favor. You're doing yourself also a favor because simply, I mean, reaching um, parity in terms of gender would only open up for the max potential that the world can have to offer. Imagine if you have, you know, a, a football team where you're only using, you know, six of the players or five of the players instead of 11 on them. You know, we all have great capacities and great brains and, we are not represented out there. So the fact of having um, allies is just simply important because sometimes, and, and you know, we have a lot of research that proves that we help people and we support people that look like us unconsciously, mm. yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. By, by men breaking on the stereotype of keeping helping only people that look like them, um, you know, they can be part of these, you know, full potential uh, to be achieved. Uh, in, in leadership, in companies, in governments, etc. So it's not that they're doing anybody a favor. It's just very important that they realize that they're doing the whole society a favor. Yeah. And also I'm, I'm going a bit off script now because you're touching a, a, a bit based on inclusive diversity. Mm. Um, when it comes to that, and we had a, I had a discussion uh, last week with, with my guest speaker about it not being lip service anymore. What do we need to do to, or what do companies need to do to go beyond that lip servicing? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a very very good point. I was yesterday part of a panel at mm -hmm. um, 
at Shell. And I was, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised to see how they're also male, you know, general managers and, and managers of others were taking the extra mile to go, you know, beyond the policy, uh, really taking action, right? So we, mm -hmm. we have a lot of... Um, of policies, uh, for example, in the Netherlands is five days uh, parental leave for the mm -hmm. non-giving birth, uh, or yeah, let's. I think it's paternal leave even, so mm -hmm. only for for the men. Um, and and there, you know, they were talking about uh, in, from this year. I think in July, the Netherlands will be going to. I think it's seven or eight weeks, but seventy percent paid. So they're mm -hmm. looking into actually filling up the gap for those thirty percent. So that and that's with Shell. That's with yeah. Shell, right? Because yeah. let, it, let it be clear, because a lot of companies don't no, get do that. this. No, like my company where I used to work till very recently, Procter mm -hmm. Gamble, we decided um, European wise a mm -hmm. year ago go to eight weeks fully paid uh, parental leave for the non giving birth parents. So, wow. you know, companies like Uber that are giving 18 weeks to both parents equally. Mm -hmm. You have come like I, I feel like the tech companies are the ones that are ahead. Facebook is offering 16 weeks, mm -hmm. um, but there are certain companies that just stick to the bare minimum, which is those five days, right? So yeah. I think beyond paying lip service, you need to uh, adjust your own internal policies to go beyond whatever is the legal bare minimum, mm -hmm. but also as a manager yourself. So this uh, person was telling how um, his wife happens to work full time as well as him. Mm -hmm. They have kids and he was saying he has learned from the experience of his wife of going back you know uh, yeah. how difficult it, it, it can be but also that doesn't mean that she doesn't have the ambitions etc so he was even you know double checking with the people that they were really promoting people just back from maternity leave so mm -hmm. that's why and to say you can go and have a kid and come back to another level if you deserve it um, but also helping them to land having that open conversation what works for you yeah uh, yeah. I help you because I realize it's not easy just to come to a really much more busier thing when you also have a much more busier life back at home. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, help build it up, for example, until, you know, that person. But it's really having the conversations, just not deciding for her like, oh, she's ha just had a baby. So maybe a promotion will be too much for her. No, it's about, you know, I think you're capable of doing this. And I recognize you might have different needs at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also it's also common that we uh, regarding the topic, right? I, I shared it with a lot of people that people fill in other people's stories. And in the Netherlands, we have something like that, but I'm not going to share it because otherwise I, it will be conflicted with your own brand. But there is there is this saying that um, without even realizing or without even talking to somebody, you're filling somebody else's story without even knowing their background. And we should stop that. We just have the conversation with the person and ask them, is it true? Am I, I'm seeing such and such, is it true? Or where do you want to go? Just have that conversation with your coworker, with your team member to know where their head, head is at. Absolutely, and if I may build on that, Vivian, mm -hmm. uh, you might be aware that together, uh, living together with Stanford University, mm -hmm. uh, we have developed this program called 50 Ways to Find yeah. Bias. Yes, definitely. It's rooted on more than 20 years of research of the VMware uh, women uh, studies at Stanford. And um, it is fantastic because it draws the top six biases that are holding women back in the workplace. And you would be surprised how, you know, maternal bias is the one mm. that is affecting women 
the most. Why? Yeah. Because, and we have all, all faced it, huh? um, because we just want to kind of protect the women and not including them in that, as you're saying, filling up, filling in the story for her um, without even taking into consideration that can be really, really holding him back, her back mm -hmm. for potential opportunities or, you know. Not, not only that, the lady might leave and that's not a, not right. a huge knowledge drain. And besides it being a knowledge drain it can hurt your company in the yeah. in the short end or in the long end because the lady is going to go to events she's going to have the conversation with her friends or with her family saying that i didn't feel at place now i'm a new mother yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah very true so thanks i think you know this lady <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Thank you, Adraina. Am I, am I pronouncing it right, Adraina? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Thank you for the love. So um, the 50 biases, I'm going to share a link. Um, after this episode, I'm going to share a link of, of the 50 biases, unconscious biases, because it's a very important card system that we need to have a discussion about. We need to have that discussion openly in the workplace because we all have biases. I have my biases, Melissa has her biases and you have your biases, but there are so many biases that are holding other people back from promotion, from um, making a decision that is maybe uh, maybe affecting their, their uh, work life uh, integration. What do people need to do if they want to learn more about the bias, except yeah, for me sharing the link. Yeah, that's great that you are saying, well, people can reach out to me or to mm -hmm. our head of uh, partnerships, uh, Kathy mm -hmm. Ryman. Okay, yeah. So you can tag her along as well. Yeah. Uh, right now, a lot of companies are inviting us to their offices to actually deliver the workshop. It mm -hmm. is uh, a workshop about, you know, we can make it one hour, but that's really too short. So preferably two mm -hmm. hours where we- A whole day. <laughs> the whole day we could actually be playing the whole day because no so really it should yeah, be yeah. because there are so many layers that need to be discussed and maybe a half a day for a half the pack because there are so many biases that people don't realize how hurtful it can be for exactly. for the other party and well, basically, the, the card game, it's a, it's a very playful uh, game. Mm -hmm. It's on the top six biases, but mm -hmm. it's about um, really cards that show us situations, really yeah. work-life situations that happened every single day. Yeah. So, for example, you know, and then in a group, you read the situation out loud, you, you learn about uh, the theory, where it comes from, where the bias is rooted, and mm -hmm. then together you have a conversation with your colleagues. And that yeah. has proven very powerful because sometimes you're the only one in the table that has no clue that that existed or that happened and then you are confronted to five other people in the table saying yes i've been there or i have seen that happening so uh it's it's a lovely program uh, and we will be more than happy to help you know people and organizations to uh to bring this to their their workplaces let me see what's my next question um what is your solution for decreasing the global gender pay gap? Yeah, that's, you know, that's such a big problem. And mm -hmm. as you know, you know, by now it's going to be, I think, about 202 years uh, that the World Economic Forum is estimating for us globally mm -hmm. to close the gender 
pay gap is just is just very sad. But um, I, I, if I focus only in because obviously you know you can look at it as a totality. You know the money that women have versus the money that men have. Yeah. Uh, and obviously therein you have a lot of you know women are disproportionately working uh, part time or. Uh, you know, performing non-paid care activities at home, mm-hmm. uh, etc. But imagine that we are in a situation where you are have two people working on the same job, the same amount of hours, yeah. and there is still a gap that is unexplained. Yeah. That of the gap, that's where we really need to go and and, and tackle. And yeah. I, I view it from different standpoints. From the top of the companies. We need to make sure that that gap is measured and that yeah. the company hold accountable for it and that they correct for it. Um, last year in April, I had the great opportunity to be in, in a Silicon Valley study trip mm-hmm. with uh, 30 executives of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And we had the chance to visit the headquarter of uh, Salesforce, the global mm-hmm. headquarter and, you know, their global uh, diversity, you know, they, they have kind of the chief diversity officer, so at the top. And they perform what was a very, you know, difficult exercise, you know, to check across functions, across levels, if there was a gender gap, and they decided to correct for it. Yeah. So that yeah. is a very bold move, and it's not a cheap move, but you're basically catching up and just being fair and putting the money where the mouth is. That it's, is not the- a, it's definitely not a cheap move, but then again, you're doing the right thing, which pays back. Exactly. Uh, towards your customers, but it also pays back towards you caring for your employees because the last thing that you want to do or want to create is an environment where somebody feels undervalued or underpaid while they're doing a great job. I also want to share a few comments from the people. So Andreina is sharing very much right. Thanks, ladies. A very common bias at the work is I don't think you're ready for the next step without even giving the benefit of the doubt. So men tend to to be trusted from their potential and women on their performance. How can we break this bias? Absolutely. And that actually uh, brings me to, you know, we talk about the top, but Mm -hmm. then if you start looking at the levels uh, Mm -hmm. in the organization, it is also the responsibility for managers and for people that have uh, salary decisions to really check up indeed on their bi- on their numbers, but also on their biases. Mm-hmm. And this is what Andreina is saying has also been proven by our research together with Stanford University. Indeed. But do you don't you feel like the employee also has um, a responsibility to address this? Yeah. yeah, that would be for me the third part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I think everybody yeah. has a role. To play. Yes, so in, definitely. In terms of you know how can we break this bias? Um, it is, you know, unconscious bias is unconscious. So mm-hmm. you don't know that you have it. And it is, you know, important to raise awareness. But we also know that only an unconscious bias training here and there doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Just being aware is not enough. People need to really change behaviors. And to change behaviors, you really need to practice. So yeah. what, I, what I love about, you know, uh, sorry to keep, uh, you know, going about the program. but it's No, no, just, no. just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Basically, what it what it does is, if you have a pack of these cards and you are imagine just 
starting a team meeting every week with one mm -hmm. of the cards, reading yeah. about the situation, discussing, it just creates, you know how they say that if you do something for 21 days, then it becomes a habit. For me, you're planting a seed, you're planting a seed in which they are nourishing, they can, you know, they can nourish their unconscious bias tree by raising awareness and do something about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the last, and then link to that, and let's say the part mm -hmm. of what the employee has, uh, the role that the employee has to pay, we need to also raise awareness about the fact mm -hmm. that women are entering salary conversations from a complete blind spot, from a complete different standpoint that a yeah. man enters. Um, yeah. Basically, men know that they go for to negotiate and that they are ready to leave the table mm -hmm. if, if, you know, if the money is not there. Yeah. Um, a lot of times women enter those conversations. I'm not, I'm not generalizing. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody does that, but mm -hmm. a lot of us do enter those conversations, like, you know, hoping that we get a good appraisal, but not ready to ask for the money. Why? Yeah. Because it's proven that we are also expected to be more, you know, communal and caregivers. And there is indeed, again, the bias that if the woman asserts herself and, you know, she can be perceived as aggressive or too pushy or whatnot, but you would not be behaving in the same way because you expect from the guy to be, you know, aggressive. It then is seen as a leader or mm -hmm. as yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. It reminds me so much about the video that has been viral from last week. Uh, the lady from uh, Sex in the City. Yeah, lady. Shared, yeah, which shared, I'd be a lady. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Never enough. Yes. Yeah. So. Indeed, it's about raising awareness, but mm -hmm. but uh, but broadly, and then just keep on practicing on keeping, you know, double checking on yourself. Am Join a lean in circle. For example, yeah, we can help. <laughs> yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So Nia, Nia is saying great conversations, well done, hey. and Sonia is sharing. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so coming back to our conversation, because I still have a lot to ask you, but then again, uh, we're short on time. What are you focusing on this year with Lean In? Yes. Um, so, you know, for us, we have decided this year to focus a little bit more. We used to be offering uh, monthly events. Mm -hmm. and, and for us, events is a great, you know, place to nurture the network. Mm -hmm. And those events were not networking events, were, as you know, skill building events. So mm -hmm. we had the storytelling, we had, you know, um, things like uh, how to network authentically, those kind of stuff. And those are very well regarded by the by the community. What we do know is that when you go to an event, it kind of, you know, you absorb what you absorb and then you leave mm -hmm. and then you practice, hopefully not. Yeah. Um, to, to be perfectly honest here, you know, our agenda in those events is really at the beginning and at the end of the event to invite people to join Lean In Circles because mm -hmm. that's where we have seen the changes really happening. Imagine the multiplication effect that this has when every month you commit to one action towards your own development and you have a crew, you know, your squad holding mm -hmm. you accountable for it. If all of us would do this, I think we will be much more further. So leaning circles is how we really make the change. And that's going to be one of our core focuses for this year. So instead of monthly events, we're right now going to be doing quarterly events. And on top of that quarterly, what we call a circles factory, which mm -hmm. is an event where you come just to pilot what a circle meeting is like, and then you can remove your doubts and then thereby straight away, you can start your own circle or join uh, a circle uh, immediately. Yeah. That's the so, Will there be no big event? Because I was looking for that one. 
Yes. So we, as you know, we also have a conference once a year. Mm -hmm. Last year we held it in November where we had the pleasure and the honor to host, uh, you know, Mo Gaudet among other uh, great speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. For this year, we actually are just kicking it off and you know, with the whole COVID-19 is kind of challenging. We are already, you know, experiencing that we wanted to maybe advancing, but we are seeing also other events that are trying to move. Uh, so it's most likely going to be also again uh, this year at the end of the year. So you will hear mm -hmm. more um, when when things are progress a little bit more that we know a little bit more how the situation is going to progress. Yeah. Are you thinking maybe about doing an online event or just in case? Actually, an online event is something that we have considered for our uh, quarterly sessions mm -hmm. more. But we, you, you have been there last year for the conference and the year it, before. It was well. amazing. It was amazing. The energy yeah. that you get there, the yeah. contacts, the you know, the, yeah. the quality. I am all for this kind of you know virtual, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, spaces. But but as you know, you know, if you really want to humanize, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> if it's once a year. Don't then use I my word it's against me. <laughs> No, 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 of course, but no, um, you know what I, I mean. I like, if it's once yeah. a year, it's great to come together yeah, in definitely. face to face. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. The last question, what is your hope, your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and new leadership? Yeah, and I, I love this question because it's very tied to, to one another. Basically, new leadership mm -hmm. is about being 100% the human being that you are, mm -hmm. which uh, will basically definitely tied with, uh, with humanizing uh, the workplace. My wish, uh, really, Vivian, would be that all the uh, initiatives that are starting to take place right now in the Netherlands, like, you know, quotas and whatnot, and I know that there is a lot of people against quotas, I am really mm -hmm. for can you Can you be specific about the quotas? Because I don't think that everybody knows what we're dealing here in the Netherlands. Yeah, so in the Netherlands, uh, the the Tweede Kamer, uh, so the government has right now, you know, voted and approved the fact that we want to mm -hmm. go for at least 30% of women on uh, boards of, yeah. uh, of uh, publicly uh, traded companies in yes. the Netherlands. Um, and we and, want it for all companies. We want, and it, we for want it for all companies, all not companies. only not only for uh, publicly <laughs> traded ones, of yes. course. Um, but I'm really hoping that by 2025, we hopefully can go even beyond that and mm -hmm. in a natural way, not because there is a, an imposition of the government yeah. and a quota, but because actually a lot of companies say, oh, but I cannot find those women. Those women mm -hmm. are out there and there is increasingly mm -hmm. more recruiters that are focusing on getting those women right to your door in a silver plate. So yeah. it is the responsibility of the companies also to have uh, you know, mixed slates of, of candidates. So it is proven that mm -hmm. if, if one out of four candidates is a woman, her chances to be higher is zero because of the biases. If it's yeah. one man in, 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 you know, in four, uh, his chances are still 15%. Yeah, so true. basically we need to make sure that we are recruiting for a, from a diverse pool. And from there, of course, you take the most, uh, you know, preferred candidate, the person that is the best. Mm -hmm. when you have cleaned out for biases, but you cannot expect simply that, you know, having one out of 10 uh, being a woman, statistically, it's just impossible that you will recruit a woman. True. So, there is a company, though, that, you know, reached out last week with a, a huge PR, Unilever, which said they, they have a 50-50 yeah. uh, definition now in the boards, male and female. At which um, is, a manager level. Yes. 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 And that's, 
huge, right? We want to see more of that. So those of the companies that, you know, want to follow the footsteps of Unilever, big up I'm, to you because I'm, I'm going to do a shout out to you. Yes, I know. I'm really, I'm really, you know, I was very touched about um, mm -hmm. also the video that they posted on Unilever. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a big accomplishment. I hope that it's going to put a little bit of the pressure um, mm -hmm. on, you know, on the rest of the companies to actually follow the steps uh, yeah. of, of Unilever. That also reminds me, you know, our latest Women in the Workplace um, McKinsey study in partnership mm -hmm. with Benin shows us that we're talking a lot about the, the glass ceiling. Mm. Again, but there is an even earlier problem, which is yeah. called the broken wrong. We mm -hmm. have in the Netherlands, out of all graduates, 56% of graduates are women. By the time they reach management position, only 25% are yeah. women. By the time of C level, of course, it's 6% only. But how the hell do we get to see and to, you know, coming to decision-making positions if in between, you know, graduating so much potential that doesn't even make it to managers. So the broken we need to, we need, the ladder, to, we need to fix yeah. it. We need to level up the mentorship. We need to do something to help uh, not only women, let's say the let's say the minority who isn't who are not represented in Correct. different levels. Absolutely. We need to level up on yes. different levels we need to yes. level up so yes, there is there is no more excuse and we can find them if you can't find them you have these two beautiful ladies who are representing now and if you can't find them we will use our network to find to that find person them. To find absolutely. that person absolutely so, and i am reading here that andrina is saying you know about yeah the quotas in order to become natural yeah uh, the, the truth in her statement is also the fact that we should not forget that we're catching up like mm. only a hundred years ago, uh, we were not even allowed to vote. Like mm. I wouldn't have been able to have my own bank accounts. Uh, yes. You know, it would have been yeah. via receiving money via my husband. So yeah. it, it is important to know that everybody, virtually everybody, thinks and expects the world to already be equal. Actually, we're not there yet, and it's because it we are slowly catching up. It's great mm -hmm. everything that our you know, ancestor women uh, did uh, for us. I'm, I'm so recognizant, uh, you know, like really uh, grateful for that. But there's mm -hmm. still work to do. We, we still yeah. have catching up to do. We need allies. We need allies uh, across all genders, all, all backgrounds. We need allies. So, yes. and the reason why I'm saying this, because uh, sometimes I hear the conversation that we're pointing towards men, but know that men are also experiencing their challenges and know that sometimes women can be um, not helping each other out. So that's why I'm sharing that we need allies and we need them from different backgrounds, different generations, uh, different demographics, because we need them to level up. Absolutely. What you're saying is so true. We also yeah. know, you know, in, from from our bias research, we also know that both men and women are mm. as biased about yeah. women. So we need yeah. to make sure that, you know, we break the biases in both genders. And also mm -hmm. what you were saying uh, regarding, regarding you know, the role that men have to play. If mm -hmm. we start having parental leave, it is important that for, you know, for those young parents that are starting to take the days off, that we respect that. Because yeah. also from the experience yesterday, for example, where one young mother was sharing, we both are working part-time, my husband and I, but mm -hmm. in his office, they yeah. are still booking meetings on his free day. 
<laughs> and how yeah. you know they don't dare to do that with me because they're more considerate with moms because that's my role you know that's my day at home so what happens is he needs to show up at work on his free day and the burden again passes to her because then she needs to take off from work yeah. to go to the consultation bureau or to do whatever thing around the day that was you know the father was I mean we we need to we need to step away from the traditional way of uh of managing a family yeah. nowadays i do it together with my with my partner and without him i couldn't be doing this and it's a joint effort right the, the one yes. time i help and the other time he helps we have to split the parental yeah. roles we have to split that and we have to see that the traditional roles i'm not saying that they are dead but there's a new way of raising a, a family there's a new way of taking care of an elder if you're if you're taking care of a loved one um where you need yeah. more hours so we need to look into that and talk about I, the mental health part right sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah about having a <laughs> i know i know i'm sorry no, i could talk i'm sorry i could talk for hours and i know i'm going to ask melissa back because we have so much <laughs> to share but i have to announce i have to announce next week uh a few of the broadcasts that i'm doing this week and next week so i'll definitely bring melissa back so that that will give you the viewer the time to you know think about the question or think about the topic that you want me to uh have a discussion with melissa because uh, we're thinking about a few things but it would also be helpful for you to share with me what you want me to ask her what kind of topic do you want us to uh, bring up because it has been amazing so thank you melissa don't go away i'm announcing the, the people from next week but it was it went the time flew the time flew so thank you again <laughs> thank you <laughs> so next week so tomorrow 10 uh tomorrow 10 a.m. wednesday 10 a.m. i have a, a dutch broadcast I have to move the banner away. I have a Dutch broadcast about uh, breastfeeding, about nursing, now about the mother's room. So pumping at work, call for op het werk, it's 10 o'clock. Um, after that, I have a very interesting conversation with Kay Lawson about why I quit my job. And if you Google her, her post, why I quit my job with Kay Lawson, you will see a lot of interesting things, um, which I'm not going to share yet. But if you Google it, then you can see uh, what she, wh why I'm speaking to her and what she shared in that letter. Uh, the next day will be a morning edition. So Tuesday, 10 a.m. It's because Natasha lives uh, in Asia. And that's why I'm doing it 10 a.m. It's about the power of working moms. I wanted to address this conversation about the benefits of working moms, but also address some of the topics that I'm going to share tomorrow, um, where we need to, you know, be uh, make make the workplace inclusive for working moms. So I'm definitely going to address that. And the next day after, I have a Dutch broadcast Thursday. Um, it will be 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, about Visi, and Visi is a Dutch company who um, who's helping the people from purpose, autonomy, and so much more. And it will be an interesting conversation, but it will be in Dutch. So that's it for now. If you have any questions, please let me know. 
And thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Andreina, for joining in the conversation. I really enjoyed it that you, you know, you shared your 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 things. And also Niam, thank you for joining in. And uh, if you have any questions regarding this episode, please know you can share them with me and tag Melissa or tag me in it when you're watching it from LinkedIn so that I can uh, address that. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Bye.